Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'm backwards, yes, man. I can. Backwards, I can see through man. I'm back, back as you can. I just wanted a chicken proud. sandwich. Betty, I just wanted Betty. a chicken sandwich. Betty. Betty. Jewels, Betty. They're jewels, We can Betty. live like They're kings. That's something I We can live like kings. You're fucking fired. <laughs> Watch out for the You're barracuda. fucking fired. <laughs> the Look at Michael Owen. He said you're so Look at Michael You saved me from the giant beaver. barracuda. You hi, hi. Hi, you got the hi. job. You got the job, buddy. X-ray cat. Can <laughs> <laughs> through wooden doors. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. The beaver started yelling at another beaver. There's my Lebaron. Where's your Lebaron, Freddy? It's a baboon, a baboon in the dripping sauce. This is a fancy restaurant. This is a fancy restaurant. I'm the number one son. You're a little child molester. This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast for your new favorite horror media and uh, apparently tons of fucking rapid fire quotes. I am Adam. And with me, as always, are my colleagues, co-hosts, and cohorts, Jake, Nate, and Doug. Gooms, sound off. So I will take full credit for that uh, bit, gimmickry, whatever, chicanery, if that's what you want to call it, Adrian. We plotted that because you were late, and this is what happens. You get to be in the bits when you're on the time. When you're not, you get to be the butt of the joke. Okay, uh, no. Wouldn't, and... wouldn't it be the bum of the joke? The bum? My bum is on the joke. My bum is on oh. the joke. If I smoked weed, I would take a toke. I was not late, <laughs> and I am not editing this episode, so I'm going to say that right now. Love you guys. I'll make sure to leave that in when I do. I mean, I was five minutes late, <laughs> but that's early for me, so. I wasn't late, but I was late. Jake took his sweet time letting me in, so it seemed like it was later than I was actually. Because I was finalizing the bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> to be fair, you were set up to fail from the start. Sure. Hey, Doug. Hey, what's up? I brought some visual. Oh, you can't see my visual aids. Oh, here we go. Yay. Yay. <laughs> you hold it up and it turns into poo. Oh, yeah. Well, have you seen Elsa, Ilsa Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks? This is the closest thing to horror. I mean, I don't think it's horror, but I think it's in the exploitation of like the Ilsa movies. You'll see. I can't wait. So, gang. What are we doing this week? We're doing Freddy Got Fingered, which I love. I watched an incredibly awkward interview with Tom Green where this girl just didn't get the bit. She did. She was incredibly gullible and whatever. And so she asked, like, why is it called Freddy Got Fingered? Like, I know what it's referring to, but why of all the things you could have called it, like Tom Green's cheese sandwich, did you call it that? And he was just like because we could have called it anything by that logic so weird full-time green just adhd the movie good for him <laughs> honestly i i saw one uh, yet another because i kept re reading interviews and stuff with him and he was like at a certain point you just have to be like fuck off because people say they come up to him like oh you directed the worst movie of all time the biggest flop of all time and he's like then why is it every city i go to do people say daddy would you like some sausage like it I think that he, I would have an incredible chip on my shoulder if I were him. And, he, you know, despite the fact he literally lives in a van with his dog alone, I think he's probably way more well-rounded than I am. It's such a glorious van, man. He's mm. on, like, such his beautiful fucking spirit quest right now, just out in the desert, filming, like, drone footage of all, like, Monument Valley and stuff, just making yep. music on his, like, production rig in the back of this van. Like, who's just doing it right? And I mean, 
I, I, I feel like that's what he did with this movie, because it's like he basically just said, you guys are giving me 14 million dollars to direct and write a movie. What the fuck do you expect you're going to get? What do you think you're going to get fucking Citizen Kane with fart jokes? No, you're going to get this abomination of random absurdist comedy. And I think he just fucking nailed it. And like you said, everyone still remembers this movie. Everyone still says, Daddy, would you like some sausage? It's it's still so quotable. Aid, what did you think? Was this your official first time? Because you said you were confusing it with Road Trip. Is this your first time actually seeing it? Yeah, I mean, there are parts, the end I remember. So maybe I saw the end because when we got to the end and they were in Pakistan like that, I remembered. And I'm like, so maybe I did. But I think I was getting it mixed up with Road Trip because Road Trip came out before. And yeah. I think Sean William mm-hmm. Scott was in that one. So, of course, I had to watch it. But, Where it gets fingered um, up the asshole. It's a great movie. Actually, <laughs> I love Road Trip. I don't like this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because uh, Stifler gets fingered in Road Trip and Finch gets fingered in this. Both the Par- American Pie alum. And go. I love American Pie. Like, why couldn't we watch that? Oh, my God. Anyways. There's one. Well, there's two reasons why you watch American Pie and they belong to Shannon <laughs> Elizabeth and there's nothing else that's redeeming in that film. Yep. Well, part two is really good. Part two is my favorite. And Eugene Levy. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll walk that back. He is very funny. Redeeming quality. Exactly. Okay. Um, But I will say that I did, when I started it, I did laugh out loud a couple of times. I can't remember any of the others, but the first one was when he skateboarded into the door. He was just, yes. like, that was funny and i was like okay maybe this won't be too bad and uh, i can get through it so so i had the exact opposite experience when i was a kid with that i laughed multiple times during that bit like for instance when the security guard accidentally tackles the woman with the walker and stuff but when it hit that i was like oh god it's gonna be that movie and then i was like all right i was already kind of checking out and then i will talk we'll talk about it but there's a scene later that is so amazingly puck- fucking perfect. It's just I can't even handle like how much of a masterpiece I feel like it is. Like honestly, Adam, I think I've fallen off on saying this is horror. I'm I could I could see the argument. I don't know that I'm going to vote for it, but I can absolutely say without a shadow of a doubt, if we're doing the tier system, this is like the classic of classic to me. Honestly, I put this next to Ghostbusters. This is a movie that I can recite basically line for line. I think it starts out awesome with that skateboard scene, and then it just goes, he skates off the rails. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to tell him not to do the skateboarding in that scene during production because they thought it was going to be too expensive to insure him to do such. It Like, if he got hurt doing this, they'd be out a writer, director, and main star of a film. So, yeah, but you're not going to stop Tom Green from skating in his own movie. I mean, the guy basically almost went pro. But the thing that's funny about that is you see a lot Oh, you know, Tom Green did his own stunts for the film. He did his own. It's not relevant because what he does is impressive. It's relevant because, like you said, ensuring the writer, director, star, there's a lot that he did. I mean, technically script supervisor and all these things. You literally see him on set. There's some deleted scenes where you get to see him holding up cue cards with the script. Like, that is a very integral... That's the linchpin of the film. The David linchpin. Oh, I think I see why you like this. Doug, what do you think? We've trampled all over you, sir. Oh, no, no. I'm just sitting here enjoying the background noise. But honestly, this film is something that I watched. It was taboo as a kid because I remember I bought it from Suncoast um, Video on VHS. And it was just like this is taboo thing. You know, we've seen Pink Flamingos. We've seen Faces of Death and all that. And this, for some reason, I think because it was a comedy bordered more on that um the more exploit 
adaptation type films. But I, honestly, it's a movie I quote to this day. Maybe that pulls out the ADHD in me because, you know, when people repeat certain phrases, uh, you know, it just sticks with you. And I think this is one that just works. Like, you know, how would, how would that make sense in any other movie? Make it quotable, you know what I mean? But um, no, this film is a, it, I, I love it. I could watch it. Whenever it's on, I could watch it. It's not boring. I, the seat, like I was in there, and I'm like, "Fuck, we're already 38 minutes in." I feel yeah. like I just started. Right? It's, it's just something that brings me joy, and and I think I know what scene you're talking about because I think the restaurant scene in this is the funniest thing uh, ever. Oh, it's actually that's not mine. Mine is very quickly after the, the mall scene. But oh. if I may, for the Patreon patrons and our friends on B Movie TV who get to watch this visually, we can we have an amalgamation here. Look at Doug is wearing a Pac-Man shirt. And I would like to offer you this game. If you're one of those people who does like sprite swaps and stuff, let's make this happen. The Packwards Man, where we replace Pac-Man with Tom Green in a backwards suit chasing down fruits and ghosts. What do we say, guys? <laughs> the Packwards Man, the Packwards, Pac-Man, Packwards Mad Fever. <laughs> we have some collecting jewels. They're jewels, Jake. They're jewels. <laughs> Sorry, I legitimately almost did a spit take all over thousands of dollars worth of equipment. <laughs> You're welcome. And Miss Pac-Man is uh, Betty on a on a rocket uh, wheelchair going nice. down the lines. Oh man, processing yeah. speed up to a thousand. You're like ah. <laughs> <laughs> so do we want to do. Uh, so how do you want to do this, Adam? Because that's the thing. I've tried to take a backwards up or not backwards a backseat approach uh, to these because. This is the biggest clusterfuck movie, I think more so even than Doug's toys last week. I'm going to give this the quickest synopsis I can, and then we are just going to explore the magic that is the insanity of this film, because it, it's trauma light. It really is. Um, it's just so all over the place. It, it's hard to pin down, but I, I, I call this a coming of age tale of an artist who's just trying to make it hits the hardships of going to Hollywood and descends into madness, taking out his family along the way. Okay. That's fair. Now, do you want to talk about it in terms of like production and then movie? Because my theory is that the production is the movie, you know, when it, when you talk about the formation of this film, that's what you're seeing play out. It's just, you're replacing film with animation, if you will. Uh, how do you mean with uh, animation? Because, well, with his drawings, with his doodles, because, you know, Tom Green was not an animator oh, yes. or, or an artiste of that method. Obviously, he's an artist. He's a musician. He's a physical artist. I see what you're saying. But like, yeah, you replace Gord's journey. I mean, he even, you know, he's the older brother. Tom is the older brother. He has a disapproving stern father mm -hmm. who has brown hair and a goatee. Tom has a disapproving stern father who's, you know. Yep. So, I mean, it's very it's completely analogous. a mirror of his life story. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And I just think it's through his own lens in the way that only he could tell it. And I think it's genius. I mean, I've just always Doug gets it like uh, he's very much a big Tim and Eric fan. You yourself are as well. I believe it just like my brain has just always picked up on absurd humor like this ever since. Like, I want to say just early teens and just I Tom Green just really checks all the boxes for comedy in this one to me in a weird way. Yeah. And what this feels like too, I, I love like the father son aspect. Cause you don't really see that a lot. And this kind of reminded me of, uh, well, the, the more recent greasy strangler, which came out in 2016, like that same type of, but see greasy strangler borders more on the Tim and Eric father son relationship. Yeah, And, and the, the thing is 
this movie what makes it what makes it what it is it's different from all the other stuff like you said trauma light i feel this is very much in the energy of terror firmer just not as grotesque yep. as terror firmer and then it doesn't border on too uh, too much absurdity as you would get with tim and eric where it's nonsensical it like kind of does this little ping pong effect where it's right in the middle and that's and i think that's what makes it unique yeah well yeah and tom is a very intelligent guy at least from my summation like you hear him in interviews and stuff you hear him on his podcast on other podcasts he's not like an idiot like a blathering idiot where not at all he knows he's the butt of this joke like he knows that's the whole the whole point of this is like this very kaufman-esque presentation and and honestly it's very bewildering to me that people think that he's like some vapid idiot i you know i don't want to go too far into saying this is like he's a maestro but truly like this is this isn't happenstance how many times do you see people just fucking fail and make bad movies that happens all the time this is not just a failure yeah you know i think absurdist humor takes a tremendous amount of of intelligence because it you have to be able to take something that's like and get people to just understand it for something that it's completely different from you know and that does take a lot of thought exactly well look at guys like zach alifanakis like Mm -hmm. and i don't think that you have a whole lot of people without a guy like tom green because he's very innovative not only in his comedic style but he he's before jackass you know, if if you look at what Jack mm-hmm. has started out with, Johnny Knoxville was a journalist who was trying out self-defense stuff, much like Adam when we have footage mm-hmm. of him tasing himself in the neck. Ohio. But my point is, it's like that goes to Tom Green, who in 1994 on a camcorder was he was doing Wayne's World before Wayne's World. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to think of how innovative that is. Like he had a website before you could even have a YouTube or streaming anything, but he knew it was there. So he was on the cusp of it. I mean, it's, this is not a, I don't know. It's very bizarre to me that people think that this wasn't like an incredible success in its failure because this movie made $23 million on DVD Mm -hmm. sales without hitting Blu-ray, without hitting HD, without any of it. So when you think about like media that costs a lot of money, like I see Blu-rays now, some of them like $50 for a movie that came out with no fucking special features just because it's a Blu-ray. Like Vinegar Syndrome puts out uh, good work for movies that frankly don't deserve Blu-ray. You know, like I reviewed Iced on Saturday Night Terrors. That movie doesn't deserve a Blu-ray. It's fun. I liked it. I'm not going to fucking pay for that. This movie, I want to. I want to give my money to. So you made $23 million off of an ancient fucking VHS and DVD market. And you want to tell me it's a failure. <laughs> and he, a little more up, he could win $40 million. <laughs> $40 million fucking Deutschberg, Bob. I say Geneva, you hear Helsinki? Sorry, this is going to happen a lot. No, that's fine. Uh, but 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 yeah, and I think this does border on uh, like neo-surrealism because it's weird. After watching this, now I'm 30 years old. I don't know, maybe it spoke to me a little more because it's kind of like, oh, you know, I, we've all been the Gord character where it's like, oh, you know, you grow up and your parents are like, oh, get yourself a fucking job. And really you want to do like artistic stuff. Um, but it's just hard to do. Like that's the boomer, like suburban mentality, go out and get a job, get a job. And I don't know. It's, it's like that. And then the mix of just the surrealist humor. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's great watching it again. It's like seeing it again and I could repeat the same lines, but it gives that new layer. Um, the older you get, I think. 
And I think one of the things that makes him particularly interesting is there was no Tom Green. There was no proto. You know, now you have kids who are like, oh, I want to be an influencer. I want to be Jake Paul. I want to be Steve-O. And they have that template. There was just nothing. Like there, there wasn't a you like MTV didn't have a show like this. In fact, MTV took a show. He, he'd already started to move on from that and bought an old show and then retrofitted it. I mean, it's just crazy to think of like, imagine telling your stern military dad, I want to make videos where I rub my butt on strangers. And that dichotomy, like Bam Margera, get the fuck out of here, Bam Margera, pranking your parents. This dude made statues of his parents fucking and put it on their lawn and had to have Oprah Winfrey <laughs> intervene to get that footage release. That was amazing. Hey, w- w- did you watch this, uh, watch his show when it was airing? I watched the show when I was a kid. I probably shouldn't have been, mm. but it was like, you know, I watched Daria and Tom Green and that was, <laughs> that was what was on. Uh, but the show was fine. I, I didn't mind his show. Like, his show was funny. Like, I like him. I don't dislike him. What about like this compared to the show? I mean, would you much rather watch the show or do you like this more? Like as, as this format? I prefer the show. I, there, there are things about the movie that were funny, like Bar Harlan Williams when the when the dad threw the skateboard on his bone. Glorious. And now he's doing puppy dog pals. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, you must have kids, right? So <laughs> let me ask you a question um, though, Aid. Now you said you'd rather watch the show than the movie. If you had to watch three episodes back to back, so it's the same time investment of about 90 minutes, would you still pick the show or would you pick the movie? I'd rather pick the show. It's okay. it's not even about the length. The movie itself, there's just there's parts about it where I'm like getting into it and then he does something and I'm just like, I can't. Like the whole jacking off the horse <laughs> the thing. And, He's a farmer, aid. He's a farmer. And I just like, and that's where I disagree because trauma did not come to my mind watching this. So I, I feel like wow. I, could sit, huh. I could sit through Terra Firmer again over this movie. Like, okay, so let's talk about the contemporaries Tom Katz, Basketball, Say It Isn't So, American Pie, uh, Road Trip, all of these kind of like, uh, I'm Horatio Sands putting French toast in my ass. Are you okay with those? Because you're saying like a horse being jacked off is problematic, but. Having a guy basically be mouth raped is fine. No, I'm not. There's so, like I do like road trip and I like American Pie. I don't care about basketball really. Um, but that's not even the thing. It's just that's just one example. It's like he does his jokes, but he just drags them on. Like do your joke and before, but he drags on like the whole thing with the baby and and, <laughs> and then he's like he's chewing on the umbilical cord. And I just, I'm watching this and like, it would have been funny if it just like cut off, like, I don't know, 30 seconds sooner, but then it just kept going. And I'm like, why does he just like, he just keeps going, like, shut the fuck up and let's move on. I don't know. Like, that's what I kept thinking. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm done with the scene. Can I ask you a question? And it's going to sound tangential, but I think that people can see what my method here. Did you see the Joss Whedon Justice League? Yes. And did you hate it or were you able to go, wow, they put something on screen despite the clusterfuck of what happened? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I watched it. We actually watched it the whole way through. So So that's kind of like that mentality of looking at it and kind of giving it a handicap of I'm not just looking at this. I'm looking at the method behind this. 
that's, I think, the only way you really get to enjoy this movie. If you're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We had multiple studios court him to make movies. He tried to sell this movie to Disney Touchstone. And they said, well, we can't do this. And then they've got it to 20th Century Fox, who then now is owned by Disney again, which is just hilarious synergy. But oh, my God, is this a Disney Plus exclusive? Well, the, it, that's the saddest part because the director's <laughs> cut, I don't think, will ever happen now that it's in Disney's properties. Half hour longer. Oh, oh and Freddy got fingered. NC-17 rated Two fingers. fucking half hour longer version. I need to know. So he's talked about this, though. It's not more gross stuff that's his director's cut. His director's cut just had a more cohesive narrative and different music predominantly because the whole Steven Toblonsky thing. I don't know how deep in the so i have another podcast on top of having a saturday night terror show i host every fucking day i put out a new episode about groundhog day on i got you babe a groundhog day podcast and steven tablowski is one of my all-time favorite actors of all time and it's heartbreaking that he has a whole narrative arc in this movie that's just completely cut out because 14 year olds were homophobic in 2000 please do elaborate because i'm unaware of this side plot so the whole reason that Gord gets a job at a cheese sandwich factory and goes to California. Oh, his uncle. That is, yeah, exactly. So his uncle is played by one of the best bit part character actors of all time who has a delightful podcast of his own. There's actually, they, they shot it. There's like five scenes with this dude. He goes and literally, you see a guy jack off a horse, an elephant disembowel a deer carcass adorn himself in it you get to see him whirl as almost stillborn baby to life splattering blood and placenta all (laughs) over a, a group of people he licks his friends exposed bones but in the first test audiences they said oh no we don't like the fact that you get to see his uncle kiss his partner big bear 20 years man 20 years it's just and oh that's that's funny i wanted to uh bring something up that's alongside that because tom green was progressive at the time that he'd write that and include that in the movie but when he's running through the restaurant he's going dave davidson dave davidson and he asks a woman are you dave davidson and she goes i'm a woman he's like did i ask you your gender <laughs> no did i ask you if you were dave davidson you know he's ahead of his time <laughs> and Hilarious. i think yeah it's bullshit that it was cut you know while somebody in the background is flipping off the audience with a fake broken finger now, I, I guess with all this stuff on here, does it really match up to horror? That's my question. I, it's got elements, man. At least hits the the tears of psychological thriller with his descent into madness. He starts stalking Dave Davidson. He starts breaking into places like to get to Dave Davidson. He's lying to people like he's got a false identity. He tells uh, Betty originally that he's in the business business uh nasdaq dow jones uh wall street journal new york city you know like there's there's a lot of psychologically fucked up shit he does throughout this movie like dude he convinces his mom to go run off with basketball players and greeks i'm sorry shaquille o'neal go have sex he has a name he's also a genie and a fucking armored warrior i'll have you remember (laughs) what is happening is objectively horrifying objectively how it is presented is not and that's the problem because of the absurdist element for me i i really like you said let's dissect it a little bit more precisely right so you have false pretenses 
you have somebody who arguably commits cannibalism by licking the blood and bone of his friend. Uh, you, it, he mm-hmm. vivisects a dead deer. He commits at least two acts of bestiality. Uh, just that alone is horrifying. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet Wendigo costume. Yeah. <laughs> and they made serious allegations, you know, false allegations. They made it somehow funny. I'm like, you couldn't get away with joking like that now. That's that's a serious allegation. That's a horror movie for the, you know, just imagine your son coming out and saying, right? you fingered my brother. I'm like, Whoa. exactly. <laughs> Child's, yeah. Well, isn't there the movie Gone Girl? Like, it's all based on a false accusation of sexual assault. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but that's this whole movie. Like, imagine it from Rip Torn's perspective. He did not. Well, if you take it from that, or is it horrifying that he's the product of a child molester and this is his jigsaw like Machiavellian scheme to reveal it? And, you know, I don't know, because then also, why would you want the approval of that guy? You know, and then look at uh, Freddie. I mean, he, they come to his house and they put him in this home for molested children and like he's there and he can't leave. And it's like, dude, it didn't it didn't happen to me. And he's just he's he's stuck in the asylum. Basically, it's everyone in the family gets somehow punished. Yeah. And they're all the kids are watching Texas Chainsaw. You're right. Doug. Yeah. They are watching Texas Chainsaw. But have you also seen the deleted scene where the kids are asking him to finger them at night instead of like kissing them goodnight? I didn't see that part. Oh, yes. I have the DVD, too. I should probably. Is it in I, the DVD? I found it on YouTube. Has it hit trauma yet for you? Eh? <laughs> Life affirming kiss goodnight. So that's what I mean. All of these things are objectively te- terrifying. But the way it's presented because of the nature of the humor. I'd say it's a dark comedy, but I don't know that I get the horror. So, Adam, that's that's you. You got the whole, let's say, 60 minutes for you to prove to us that it's horror. I mean, do I really have to? Are we just going to have a blast talking about Freddy Godfigured? So let's get into it. Let's do it. Budget estimated $14 million makes $14.3 million. Adam, do you subscribe to the Crocodile Dundee theory? Uh, Now, what theory is that? So Crocodile Dundee in L.A. came out the same weekend, and Tom Green's theory is that that film overperformed with how bad it was. I'll remind you, it has 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so his theory is that kids bought tickets to see Crocodile Dundee in order to sneak into Freddy Got Fingered, which, as we've alluded to, is almost NC-17, which they obviously couldn't go see themselves. Do you think that's true? I think I did the same thing because I was only 16 when this came out and I saw it in theaters opening day and my parents weren't buying me tickets. So, yeah, I believe it very much so. Oh, I believe it, too. I did the same thing when Bruno came out. We bought tickets for Meet the Spartans or something. I don't remember what it was, but, yeah, we all went into Bruno. That was a bad movie. I mean, it's a good movie, but it's it borders on this. Oh, I love (laughs) Bruno, man. (laughs) Oh, I love Bruno, too. It's uh, I saw that when I was in Ohio. There were two other people in the theater. And as soon as that dick started windmilling, they walked out. Oh, man, that shit was great. Yeah. One of my buddies, Kevin, he said he's like, like, I'm gay. And this movie made me offensive towards myself. Nice. (laughs) Well, I think we all did that, right? Now, A, did you see this in theaters or after? No, I wouldn't have seen it. What what year did it come out? It was uh, April 20th, 2001. For yeah, 20. 20, 2001. Um, hmm. Well, I know I not with this movie, but I did it with American Pie too. I know I did that. I did it with Freddy versus Jason. So I mm. would have been like 
Oh my God, I can't. I would have been 12. Sometimes <laughs> the movie theaters would let us in though. It's not that it's not that like strict in Florida. And then all of a sudden they started getting really strict. So, I mean, but I believe that that would have happened because your parents, like, remember, they would just drop us off and then nobody asked you what you went to go see. Like, nobody cared. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you just go buy tickets and then, but I don't think I did it for this one now. It's funny. I th- I would think I was in fourth. No, I was in fifth grade. And I remember my English teacher, um, she was talking about this. Movie. She's like, I went to go see Freddie Got Finger. And she's like, I just couldn't. And we were like in fifth grade. And, you know, she's talking about Freddie Got Finger. She's like, I just couldn't do it when I saw the oh baby. It seems amazing. So, you know, after that, we were all. Yeah. And then we all were anxious to go see it. But granted, I didn't see it in theater. I saw it on tape um, <laughs> that I bought from Suncoast. <laughs> but uh, like you said, too. The, so the exploitation part of it, if you've ever seen the Ilsa, like Harem Keeper of the Oil Sheiks or She-Wolf of the SS, I feel like this falls into that same like exploitation category where it's not sleazy where it's, it's almost a dark comedy but it's so the content is so gruesome and so terrible like jake said mm. that it just it, it somehow works it's it's the weirdest thing so if you want to see like you know david lynch the presentation just saves it somehow the presentation because it's so campy but yet they're talking about all these horrible things that are like oh abortions and fetuses and you know sewing bu- vaginas and vulvas but it's somehow comical i don't i, I it's a it's an amalgamation. I don't know. Like I'm saying, absurdist comedy. It takes intelligence to spin that shit into something that is, uh, uh, let's not say palatable, but funny. You know, a uh, splatter comedy. Really, that's what. It, oh yeah. I feel like it comes down to. I mean, there's a lot of blood. Yeah, this is definitely one of the. Bl- this has more blood than some horror movies. So exposed bone, and you know, when, uh, why did he tape the umbilical cord to himself? Because like at that point, I just started doing laundry and like uh, for fun. So for fun, yeah. I'm sorry. Did Ed Gein? What What did he put on his body that belonged to other people? Ooh, body parts, organs. I'm, maybe I am going into horror on this. Like I said, man. Uh, do I have to, or are we just going to talk about it? You know, um, well, I was going to say there's this movie Scrapbook. I watched it the other night, and it feels like. The guy kind of does the same thing as Gord, but yet he keeps like a scrapbook of all his memories, like you said, the umbilical cord and all these things. So maybe I think you may be winning uh, on this if it's work, because it may be like, uh, like you said, Ed Gein Jr. or something like just modern day serial killer building up to like he has a 4chan post and he posts about all these crazy things. And next thing you know, he's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Hey, what were you going to say? No, I just and then I was thinking, how horrific is it that he wasted all that money? What the budget of the movie or the actual oh, no. million dollars? No, oh, the no, million, no, dollar. million dollar check. Well, probably the budget too, but <laughs> easy come, easy go. Yeah, easy come, easy go. I'm like, oh god, like really? <laughs> like I was like, okay, he'll get his little cartoon because they had a lot of good people in this. Like, what what's his name? Davidson, Anthony Michael, Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. And then Drew Barrymore had mm-hmm. her little cameo and stuff. And like when I was that age, I thought I, for some reason I thought, okay, Tom Green's cute. He married Drew Barrymore. Like he's got it, got something. It didn't last for six but weeks. Whatever. But yeah, he was like you know the nerdy white guy that like you know, and he dressed like it was the time. Like all the guys dressed like that. Like it's just it, it, the movie is nostalgic, and I really like um, Marissa Coughlin was really funny in this movie. Oh, she is a delight. She stole the show, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. She's also too good to message me back like everybody else in this film about an interview. Sorry. I don't well, know. she's not even doing anything like, I mean, OK, that's why I thought, come on now. 
you make videos of yourself and your family for Instagram. Of course you'll respond. No. You should have asked her about teaching Mrs. Tingle and maybe she would have responded. Uh... Not to be fingered. <laughs> well, I, I added the caveat. I even messaged Tom himself in this goddamn van with the caveat of like, look, this is our thesis. We're trying to discuss if it constitutes a horror film, thinking maybe I'd hook them. Because uh, I know that for some of these people, hmm. it was horrific for their career. Am I right? <laughs> this movie's the last time that Rit Torn made a headline aside from the time where he tried to rob a bank thinking it was his house. <laughs> Wait, wasn't he, um... he was in Dodgeball. Yeah. Is a but he's way funnier in this. <laughs> Yeah. Much uh, oh, funnier. yeah. I was going to say, this is like Rip Torn's divining, uh, a defining thing because anytime we see him like in a movie, piece de resistance. He's, uh, yeah, honestly, this is like my my siblings and stuff. When we see something uh, with Rip Torn, we, we automatically go back to, no one wants a goddamn chicken sandwich. <laughs> you know what I mean? We just go straight to that character. And we've seen a lot of movies with him. Uh, Rip Torn's even in Dolly Dearest. And we just thought it would be funny if he played the same character he played in. Freddie got fingered in that movie. Oh, that's so funny. I don't remember him in that movie. So also, like, let's get into just the character of Jim Brody. Mm. So do you see the parallels that we talked about with his his own dad? Does that make it more horrific? The fact that it, that there is some kind of truth in that antagonistic relationship? Because like, like I said, before Bam Margera was slapping Phil and stuff like that, you had Tom Green torturing his parents, making the slut mobile, having airbrushed sex acts on their car. Yeah, you've got to you've got to wonder how crazy his dad actually got to him. Like how much of this like, yes, it's an obvious exaggeration to an absurd level. But like how messy did it get? I mean, you know. Well, I think what's scary, too, uh, uh, not necessarily scary, but people have a lot of dads that act that same way. So I go out here, you know what I mean? And then just the whole, it's like, I'm going to crush your fucking ramp. Yeah. Just break stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of that in families. And, and violent, right? Like, him destroying a, a ramp is really violent. I mean, it's, it's very visceral. And I think it's a great way of articulating like things that mean nothing to you still have value to others. And I mean, they even have an establishing scene where you have Gord talking about how long it took him and Harlan Williams to build that ramp or Darren, whatever. Mm -hmm. Years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I was going to say, it's not played for like slapstick either, because, for example, like when when, uh, you know, Gord's dad is pulling him out of the shower and he's breaking out, like breaks all the glass and stuff, falls in the toilet. That didn't hit me the same way as the ramp did. And I don't know if the ramp was meant to be funny, but that was more yeah. like domestic violence. I, that's what I think. It's weird. It's like I don't see domestic violence as you getting pulled out of the shower like that. It's the, the ramp destruction. Now, on that same topic with like how heavy it is and everything, it's like there's scenes like when he's talking to Drew Barrymore, when he's first trying to find Dave Davidson, he's like, his wife, his wife is dead. And it's like, there is nothing funny about that, like the context of that scene. I mean, it's dramatic music. Drew Barrymore is acting dramatically. It's just a dramatic subject they're talking about. And it's just all Tom Green delivering it. And it makes it fucking hilarious. I just, it's weird because it's, it's, it's bordering on the fucking serial killer thing again. Like he's lying to someone to find somebody. It's, you know, it's psychotic, but it's again, not completely played up for laughs other than Tom Green's just being himself you know and let's be blunt at this point you had cell phones right i mean it's it's clear this guy's driving mm -hmm. a ferrari he'd have a cell phone so what i take that scene to be is a reversal of a kind of let's say 
average comedic trope of, oh, I, I'm trying to, to get the information that I need. You'd see this in any sitcom. You could see this in, in fucking Tony Danza's show, whatever it was called. I don't care. And I think that you know, <laughs> what's great about this scene is Drew Barrymore's desperate and almost like pathetically overacted bit on this where she's literally screaming. If you literally just heard that somebody who you care about is dead and somebody tries to fuck you over it, I mean, that's a very traumatic experience. And what's amazing, what I think makes a good satirist is somebody who looks at things objectively and goes, no, what's crazy is not what I'm doing in this film. It's what we accept as normal. So it, I, rather than going into characters, can I can I show you a couple of the things that I think he does a good job of showing or are, are bizarre? Very much so. Mm hmm. X-ray cat. People are like, that's the dumbest thing in the world, right? X-ray cat can only see through wooden doors. How stupid. Have you heard of the Green Lantern? I didn't see this anywhere. It just, I always took this to be a direct one-to-one -one parody of Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, whose magic does not work on wood. Mm. So people can hit him with a bat, but not a bullet. That is stupid. Yeah. And so in this... They're showing what this character that everybody thinks is the dumbest thing in the world, yet you have a time-honored Golden Age comic book character who has very, very analogously absurd things that you're like, nah, whatever, because we just accept it. Again, yeah. I'll go to the mall scene where he, the, you have security guy. If this movie is about security guy, the, his zealousness is applauded. It's the reason we're seeing this action film. It's the Paul Blart mall cop. But from this woman's perspective, that's terrifying. We accept these stupid things. And here you go. You get to see the exact aftermath of a woman who's already infirmed, further maligned, massacred, bloody. Uh, I can keep going. Do you want more of these examples? So, Jake, is this for the Criterion Collection? <laughs> well, I think that what's important about it is, like, okay, let's look at just the girlfriend, right? Yeah. She, everything is subverted with her. You know, you have the very abled person who's disabled, which just to have a wo leading woman who is disabled, unheard of. You don't see. Mm -hmm. that. Then you have the fact that she is sexually aggressive and he is reserved. Mm -hmm. Then you have the fact that she doesn't give a shit about his status antagonistically. So it's not that she likes him. She likes sucking his cock and tells him as such. I mean, these are things that are just completely. And then, oh, oh, by the way, she's also an amateur rocket scientist. Amazing. None of those things do you see. But what's absurd? What's absurd is that we take women and we take them and we just put them into these little square holes in all of these movies. There's a whole rom-com thing where it's like she works too much and she's stressed out and he's a silly billy boy. And that's every Hallmark movie that's ever existed. <laughs> that's absurd. That's crazy. Every one of them. They got to get more Bettys. <laughs> but honestly, uh, well, for like you brought her up, I think she's one. She's the strongest character in this film. You know what I mean? When Gord has that little saying with her, he's like, he's like, oh, well, you know, she's like, oh, I failed the first few times. He's like, why didn't you just quit? You're a loser. It's like, no, I can keep going. And, you know, and she's in a wheelchair and she's sexually fierce. Like, I wouldn't say she rapes him, but I would say like, you know, like, oh, come here. Let me suck that car. <laughs> I mean, it's just, oh, you don't, you don't get that a lot. She took a cane to the face and she was still thirsty for that duck. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like, I, <laughs> I thought that was strange of him because like he has, he talks the talk, right? And he does all these, these disgusting things that some of them are sexual, like with the animals. 
But when she's like trying to like, you know, get in his pants, all of a sudden, oh no, I can't do that. He does all of these disgusting things, these horrible, nasty things with the baby and this and that, but yeah. he just can't get a blowjob. Like, that's absurd to me. Like, who does he think he is? Mother Teresa? Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Oh my God. <laughs> Repressed sexual issues could be a serial killer, you know? See, like a young Norman mm-hmm. Bates or something, you know? Just saying. Well, also, here's another one. The grand romantic gesture. That's off. That's a trope in all rom-coms, right? I stand with my boombox outside and I tell you I fucking love you. He gets mm. on a military helicopter <laughs> and brings her a bag of jewels. You expect jewels, that he's Betty. going to stay there and it's going to be romantic. And he says, I have to go find my daddy. <laughs> Yes. Just the use of the word daddy for anybody over five <laughs> is not okay. Don't like that at all. Yeah. And you leave the love of your life. The woman you just spent 150000 on in jewels plus $100,000 for the helicopter rental. You spent a quarter of a million dollars on this grand romantic gesture. And you're like, I have to go find my daddy. <laughs> Play with an elephant's dick. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Like I said, he's he's got some uh, some sexual issues, man. He'd rather go off and do that than, uh, you know, there's some crazy in there. You must be a Bodil, uh, how do you say her name? Bodil Johansson fan. She's uh, she's a Dutch porno actress. She uh, she specializes in bestiality. So he must have you know seen some of that and thought it was funny because she does the same thing with a horse. And Emmanuel in America, which I was going to say that this kind of borders on that extremist type film. Um, there's a, there's a horse cum shower scene in that. So, you know, <laughs> he, he knew his exploitation films and he just kind of made it a comedy in this side note. If I ever give anyone a gift, I always have to follow it up with their jewels, their jewels, Betty, their jewels. That's, that's a staple in my life. I, this movie is everything. Oh well, yeah. And it's cute how they mimicked like, you know, this, the scene from the Goonies, right. When she's holding them. So that was cute. Yeah. You know. All right, I appreciated that. Right? It's it's fun. It's got its charm. It's heartwarming in the weirdest fucking ways. Uh, there's just, I don't know. Like, I could like I said, I could have done it without some of the some of the things. So but. you you brought up the horse jacking off scene, right? This is why it's important twofold, and why I believe that it is truly why it's important to jack off a horse. Well, first, it's called <laughs> it's called foreshadowing English minor. Secondly. What do we have? We have a road trip scene with the most generic, awful song here in my car. I, and it is immediately just crash landed into a horse's cock. Like that is a statement on you expect him to be like jamming. And it's Britney Spears. What's the movie where she's got the sisterhood of the traveling pants and they're like going across America or some oh, bullshit. Crossroads. There you Crossroads. go. Yeah. He's like, I'm a free spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm the chick playing a piano on a flatbed truck. And then he's like, no, I have to jack off a horse. And it has a plot point. My wife had said the same thing. She was like, they have this whole montage of him going from Portland down to L.A. And the only scene they show instead of like scenic locations is him jacking off a horse. And it's like, it's brilliant, (laughs) isn't it? And that's a long trip, too. Like, that's like, you know, they just make it seem like, oh, it's down here. No, that's a fucking man. I would my ass would be killing me. Oh, and it's so many things to see. Oh, there is. That's all Northern California. So many things to jack off in that drive, too. Yeah, I mean, he's jacked off a horse. He's jacked off an elephant. Uh, what was the uh, 
you were speaking of the foreshadowing of the uh, the horse ejaculation. Do you want to continue on that? Angle? So then he jacks off an elephant later, and he oh yeah, and he jacks off the yeah. That's not really foreshadowing. I'm sorry, what? That's just like something he does. I don't think that's foreshadowing. I disagree. That's just what he does. Foreshadow. No, no, it's not uh, foreshadowing. It was the pre-cum to the <laughs> to the elephant scene. It's not foreshadowing. It's foreplay. Because he asks what's going on, he becomes a farmer, <laughs> and as he's jacking off the elephant, he is. It is symmetrical to what happened at the the arc. It is the bell curve. You start with the masturbate <laughs> or the uh, I guess auto ejaculate stimulation and then you end with that it is an arc he's only able to jack off the horse in so far as he has a car provided by his father he then uses the cum to assert dominance over his father who spent however much the lebaron costs he spends so much more to establish himself at the end it's mirrors mirrors can be scary as evidenced by conan the destroyer (sighs) want to know what's funny Toys began and end with white stuff coming out of an elephant, too. Whoa! That's a very compelling oh, yeah. argument. <laughs> right? So, you know, I don't know who's crazier in this film. Like, it, Tom Green, it, it's like, if we're looking at this as the horror angle, he's definitely on a psychological decline on the way to trying to figure out how to get to his goal. But then, like, you have... Rip Torn, his father, who's just like a fucking asshole, ableist, fucking just dick of a man. Like the line he says to Betty, he's like, oh, you're crippled. Oh, you have a problem with my legs? No, you've got the problem with your legs. It's just like he's just this piece of shit. And it's like, oh, that part made me laugh. Yeah. Right? It's so <laughs> the two times I laughed at the whole movie. But see, that's typical. Um, that's typical boomer mentality. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'll say most of the boomers I've seen or worked with, they're exactly like that: ableist, yeah. racist, sexist. So, <laughs> true. That's absolutely true. No offense to the boomer listeners. Well, not out there. all of them are like that, right? Some of them voted for Bernie. Well, yeah. Well, most of them for the Midwest. You know, they're all. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think I, I don't know if I would vote for it to be horror. Okay, just like, despite like, eight, I'm going to say that it's horror now. Uh, <laughs> I change my mind. <laughs> we get to see a centaur demandibled dragged across the floor until his face oh, is ripped. Teeth. That's a good one. Tooth and and also the kid gets his teeth knocked out with the baseball. Yeah. Teeth horror fucks with me, man. Oh yeah, the little boy kept getting hit. Dude, hit, hit, oh yeah. god, it's like on his lip. Dude, and I mean, Tom Green just does psychotic shit. Like, he accosts a customer at his cheese sandwich job at uh, Submarine Supreme, you know? Dude, he he throws, like, pounds of uh, American cheese. And then he also uses his uh, lunch meat on the lady at the conveyor belt. Ding dong. Because you expect that. That's another reversal. There's got to be a consequence for that kind of behavior. Oh, I lost my job, Dad. You expect that idiot loses his job, but he quits arbitrarily to go back home. So he's a failure only insofar (laughs) as he has allowed himself to fail. Again, a reversal of the stereotypical story arc. Well, but I guess that would be a theme because, you know, Betty teaches him to keep going. That's as far as I'm reaching for this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get into something, Abe, because you and Yahira seem to have the same viewpoint. And most people, well, my sister likes this movie, but a lot of women hate this movie. Is is that? And I asked Yahira, she sent you guys a little video. Yeah. 
so angry. You have to put that out. She was hilarious. Oh my god, I was dying. Yeah. She, oh, she was angry. She she was mad. I was rewatching it again. Patreon um, exclusive. And and I asked her, I'm like, like, why do you hate this guy so much? And she's like, well, I hate fucking Adam Sandler, and I hate when he does all those stupid voices. And and she's like, and this is no different. But he's constantly in the like. And I said, well, it's like ADHD, the movie. She's like, well, that's I think that's why most women hate this, because they're afraid of being stuck with a man like this. I, I don't know. It's, I'm like, well, how does that really happen if you're going to? Well, OK, so to her point, well, firstly, I, I also want to sort of defend her. You know, she's from Peru. So she she even said this is not the kind mm-hmm. of humor that she's used to. So you know, this is I, I wouldn't just pigeonhole all women because there are some women I'm sure who like it. Uh, like I liked things a lot when I was younger. I watched them now. They suck. Like, what was I thinking? The second thing is, yeah, that is terrifying because I think that Gord, he does manipulate Betty at the beginning. And this is why I don't find him a redeemable character. So if we want to talk about being horrific, he's a disgusting man. He manipulates her. Yeah. Uh, And she didn't even care about his status, but he didn't get a chance to know her. Right. And this is a lot of what happens when when you talk about women being in abusive relationships. You know, there's always that question people just say to them in in the most uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inconsiderate manner to say to someone, why don't you just leave or why are you with them to begin with? Because people don't start off that way when you meet them. Right. People start off great. You don't. You don't know everything. And you honestly, I feel like you really don't know people till like four or five years of being with them. You really don't start to see how they truly are. Right. And so that is terrifying because what if Tom Green was as manipulative enough, not Tom Green, Gord, as manipulative as he was, what if he kept that charade going and she's just like continuing to follow him in this stupid path, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, like he reveals who he is. And there are people who are like that. Yeah. And he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. I don't care if he got a million dollars. And she even says she doesn't care about his money. Uh, honey, okay, so you just want to suck his cock, so maybe he's got a good dick. All right, I'll give you that. What I won't give you is putting up with that. Like, he's always yelling. Like, I hate that. Like, why but is he always yelling? That goes oh to, I think, you're you're convincing me more and more that he is, is horror. Yeah. Because the subterfuge is objectively terrifying. Whether she is okay with it is negligible because objectively what's happening, like, for instance, cannibalism, just because somebody consents to being eaten doesn't yeah. mean that being eaten isn't scary, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Adrian, you are a fan of a franchise involving one Frederick Kruger, am I right? Yes. By the time this film came out, there were seven Freddy movies. And I'm looking at the titles, and one, two, three of those at this time had Freddy in the title. Freddy Mm -hmm. with the juxtaposition of fingers. When you think of Freddy Krueger, you oftentimes think of the implements on his fingers. Coincidence? I think not. No, probably not. So there you go. So now he's like. Now you know why it's not called Tom Green's Cheese Sandwich. Exactly. (laughs) It's funny. It's funny you said that, too, because I remember when my teacher was talking about Freddy got fingered. Um, That's the first thing that popped in my mind was, oh, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. And you know what I mean? Like, so it brings the attention because people automatically figure that and they'll they'll go look it up because 2001, this was. We had internet, but it was really bad. That's where you had to plug it into the phone line and stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember I need to wait. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's like researching a movie wasn't as good. You know, you'd go to the, like, Oh, Freddie got fingered. I, I'll go see it because someone mentioned it. And I thought Freddy Krueger, that's a good subconscious thing. Yeah. Now, does anyone remember this website? Did anyone ever go to it? No, I was too young. <laughs> I was just going to chat rooms. It was this amazing flash site that just like if you clicked uh, like there was a red button said like, don't click this. And of course, you're going to click it. And then it like did this whole mock thing where it blue screens your computer. It was fucking great. And then it started playing. Daddy, would you like some sausage? It was amazing. But more what I was going to say before to add to his uh, sociopathy, that kid fucking face plants on the side of his LeBaron and just like blood fucking pouring out of his face. He just like looks over and looks and just drives back off. Yeah, he's just not there. The kid gets his teeth knocked out later yeah. on, too. I remember like, that's pretty graphic. You don't see a kid screaming his teeth. Are knocked out. I know the poor little boy. Oh, then he get in the, what was it, the helicopter at the yeah. end or and the whatever. beer bottle. Yeah. Mm, the beer bottle, yeah. So it was it was the faceplate on the car, the baseball, the beer bottle. Was there anything else besides the propeller? Or was the propeller the last one? I think that was it. That's the last, the that's the last one. Yeah. It's got the voiceover of I'm okay, Daddy. I'm okay, Daddy. <laughs> Which again I take to be kind of a fuck you to all because I don't think it's funny without that. I think a lot of people say like, oh, that's the studio meddling. It's done so poorly. It reminds me of the conspiracy theory with Blade Runner, which I don't know why it keeps coming up in my brain lately. Hmm. Uh, but there was one of the cuts of Blade Runner, there are a thousand cuts of it, uh, where Harrison Ford does a really, really bad film noir overdub and narrates the film. And people always said, oh, it's so bad. He was trying to convince the studio not to include it. And it's like, I feel like this is almost a jab at that. Like it is done so poorly. Like the blood hasn't even settled before. It's like, oh, I'm fine. How like that doesn't make sense. And yeah. I think it's so purposefully done to be antagonistic uh, that I don't think that that was a studio edition. I think that's the joke. Oh, yeah. The whole crowd. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely intentional. Yeah, it's it, it's all trolling. Like it, he was like the first internet troll before trolls were a hundred percent. But the thing is, a lot of people remember this movie. A lot of people like think of another movie from like the early two thousands that you could memorize and just quote. And if you have friends that have seen it, they all just Not say, one. "Daddy, would you like some sausage?" You know, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a weird calling, but I think that it's it's that's how it goes into like the cult status that it is. Because yeah, American Pie didn't do it for me, and all those other ones. It's just so meta in that way because you know what. He made his way up with absurdity. And look at this. We're still talking about him today. He's still doing stuff today. And it's like he's this movie became successful in a way that only Tom Green could make it successful. And I think that's masterful. Like you were saying, he's a fucking maestro. Could you picture anybody, any other actor playing Gord? No, not not at all. Uh, that's what I said. It would be weird if someone else did that act. It's weird. What's funny is what immediately came to my mind was like Benedict Cumberbatch or like somebody who's serious doing it. Yeah, because like to see them master the craft of that performance. Yeah. But if I saw like Jerry McConnell do it, I'd be like, fuck off or Jake Busey, fuck off. You know, but I think that if it was somebody like going out of type. Yeah, I'm just seeing Dr. Strange in traction with the sausage on his fingers. Right. <laughs> yes uh, that's very salvador dolly too so you know what i mean like it's all just seeps into there like that so there's some pbs info for you oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh favorite scenes favorite scenes of the film so i'll tell you going back to earlier i kind of foreshadowed this adrian but yeah. the scene after uh. the LeBaron. When he says, uh, you know, he's like proud, proud. Everybody thinks that's the funniest part of the. It's a very funny part. But when he's driving away, he's like, get the fuck out of the way. 
That's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world to me. Like, I, I, so yesterday, I, you know, we took the kids to Disneyland. We're vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. So I spent all day with very conventional stuff around me, very safe, hermetically sealed, conventional stuff. I popped this movie on and then he's screaming at somebody after talking <laughs> to, about being proud with his daddy. It's just so good. And then. <laughs> Can we talk? Oh, here's another one. Going back to my crazy juxtapositions and the, the brilliance of it. The hospital scene. You take modern medicine mm. and then you have him barbarously with no training and his fangs birth this child like a caveman as these Native American women drum being splattered in blood. I, I mean, but it sounds absurd, right? You're like, oh, my God, that's so stupid. That's so ridiculous. He could never do that. If he could not deliver a baby, how the fuck did they deliver babies 2,000 years ago? Exactly. It's literally how they used to do it. Just, I mean, I'm pretty sure they helicoptered them, too. Oh, oh, a lot of people died, so. Maybe not the helicoptering, but, like, exactly. <laughs> That's why there weren't that many people. Just mothers. It's not a big deal, Adrian. Oh, I know. Who needs that, right? My God, yeah. Because fathers do everything. Oh, sorry, Jake. I forgot your father. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, you know, like what I do for Stella. Yes, you comparing what you do for your dog is very analogous. That's true. Is that why is that why a lot of like, like I'm not generalizing, but a lot of women do not like this movie. Uh, I'll just use your hire as an example. And I, I feel like when the whole backwards man scene comes in like that, that would be something she would compare. She's like, she's like I thought I told you to take the chicken out of the freezer before I came home. And then I'd be upstairs on backwards man, backwards man. I can walk back. Yes, you can. Like, you know what We've I mean? all I think- fucking done something of that caliber. You know what I mean? Like it, it's the same thing. Yeah, I'm always getting in trouble. Like, did you take that out of the? Well, like, yeah, because that's the thing. Like, she asked you to do it, and you forgot, right? Because like you're doing whatever, but like I forgot. But you know, what the... were you doing? Sorry, I was doing nunchuck aerobics in the living room. Who the fuck's got like a, you can't defrost the chicken in 20 minutes? I was. Dad uh... was gonna make dinner now. Oh my god. But see, does that come down to Gord? Like Gord yeah. represents that perfectly. Like just the, the eh, eh, like, you know what I mean? Like he seriously didn't have any riddle in on hand, but uh, I don't know. It's I, I don't think he's considerate. I don't think he's that considerate of a person. So like I, he he's a complete sociopath, man. He has no remorse for anything. He, yeah, exactly. He delivers the baby for like his own enjoyment. And then he yells that he saved the day. He saved the day. I'm like, you didn't save the day. <laughs> you almost ruined the fucking day. Because they have a problem with heroes here, Betty. And then he's shaking his friend's leg while it's up in the sling. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was so mad about that. Like, what? Like, if I was his friend, I'd fucking punch him in the mouth. Like, what is that? Like, how is it he's not? Did he get his ass kicked in this movie? Because I feel like someone should have kicked his ass. I don't know. Like I Sorry. Said, he's a horrible person. So, so you consider he's a psychopath then? Because that is psychopath mentality, repeating mm-hmm. yourself like he does. I saved the day, Betty. I saved the day. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, like the old cross, 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 you know. <laughs> and I had no wine while I was watching that. <laughs> yeah, that that definitely borders on that. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, I think Gord is is technically like borders on psychopath, but the movie doesn't. It's It's weird because... I was looking at it. I'm like, I even watched this on DVD. There's no Blu-ray of it. And I'm like, you know, it's a very professionally shot. It's very sanitized, except for like some of the the gross out blood scenes. But other than that, like it's a very sanitized movie, which I think just makes it even more bizarre because you'd expect someone to be like this, like, oh, shaky camera, gritty, kind of like how Jackass does it. But no, this is very clean cut. Remarkably well shot. You know, it could be like the set of Roseanne or something. 
Yeah. It's polished. It's completely polished. It, it's just on par with any of the big budget studio films that came out that year. But I just can't imagine what the studios thought. Like when they seen this, like after the movies over, they're, they're like the producer comes out. I paid a million dollars for this piece of shit. Yeah, it's I, totally the Tim and Eric billion dollar movie. I mean, like it literally, I'm imagining it. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think it would have been accepted though, right? Because he was so popular back then. So I think they're like, oh, this is great. He's exactly who he is, like times ten, right? I don't know. So he said that the original cut of this film, the head of New Regency stood up, applauded, and gave him a hug and said, and I quote, "That was the best first cut I have ever seen from a first time director in my entire career." And then the focus group is what changed it. So honestly, that's the thing that's hard is knowing the intent of the creator. Now, you look at he and his friend who wrote this, they don't have like a long list of things they've done. So you don't have comparative analysis on your side. You can't go, oh, this is indicative of his horror films or his whole. There's no swaths to paint with. It's just this is all we got. And to know it's so compromised, I honestly question sometimes if the fractured element of it isn't the fact that like his uncle's not in it or, or any of a number of intermeddlings. So that's what's kind of the big frustration in seeing it is I think what I like about it despite its flaws, is the absurdity. And I don't think I get that from the horror. Uh, I really wish I had a director's cut of this. Like, this is one that kind of haunts me to know how close he was. See, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with it because, like, yeah, I'd fucking want to see it. But, like, what if it taints the perfect vision I have of this film? I, I know it's a fucking bizarre film, but it's just one of those things that is perfect in my brain. I, like I said, I, I only quote... A film more than this, and that is uh, Ghostbusters. And we all saw what happened last month. So, but it, it's just, I don't know if it would change my view. Like, if it got into darker themes, would it make me just perceive the rest of the film differently? You know, it's it's one of those things. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'd like to see him in middle age. I think if they made part two, I'd love to see him doing, you know, middle age stuff. Like, yeah, imagine he, Gore during the pandemic. That would be funny. A fucking mess, Jerry. Look, I can... He gets in a van and goes and lives with his dog. That's what he does. Uh, he was actually talking to um Pete Holmes yeah. about doing a sequel. Like Pete Holmes brought it up. Pete said he would write it. You saw that interview? That was fun. Yeah. That would be incredible. Yeah. What does he look like now? I'm not going to look him up. Oh, he doesn't look bad now. No, he looks great. No, he and he and Drew Barrymore reconnected and they play Scrabble together now. So I did a lot of research. Oh, my God. Did you see that reunion on her show? Mm hmm. The only part of her show I've ever watched. I didn't even know she had a show. I love her show. You shush. That was the most heartwarming thing ever. Like that was just like two souls connecting. I'm, I'm not getting all mushy here, but like seriously, that seeing that during the pandemic just warmed the heart, you know? Have you guys watched any of the Giuseppe Andrews films? Uh, I know some of his stuff was put out by Troma, but um, if you watch them, they're shot on like mini DV and they have pretty much this aesthetic because they use like real people, you know, real people in this trailer home and stuff. And they it has the same type of dialogue scenes. Like if if, it, if we want to break it down to horror, the, the horrific scene is when they go to the um, uh, the counseling with, with the with the with the doctor there. And what's funny is like the. the just the talk it's a serious thing like that's serious you get police involved in everything and yet it's so funny like for example when they're talking uh they're like oh yeah uh, i just like he's like oh you fingered freddy and he's like oh you fucking liar and he's like i want to eat chicken burgers <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just random stuff like that like how do you make a scene with dialogue that is so clearly like that's serious like allegations and stuff and and yet you 
can fit little winks of not even funny lines. Like it's just random. I want to eat chicken burgers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know any other movie that it would work with that. Cause it would either come off as cringy or if it would come off as it just doesn't work at all. Like this somehow makes that work. There's no other lens to make it work. Yeah, you're right. Like there's nothing that could ever make it work as smoothly as this does. Like that level of, of absurdity. Like we said, mm-hmm. this couldn't get made today. Like, I don't know. It just, no, it's lightning in a bottle. It would not get made today. Not at all. So the same thing for the same reasons that the uncle is not in the movie is the same reason why this movie is exists because of that time. So that's interesting. It's such a bizarre piece. But yeah, I mean, speaking of the thing with like his uncle not being in it, and I, I mean, Rip Torn drops a hard F-bomb and F-A-G bomb in uh, when they're building the ramp and it's like they left that in there but they and he uses the r word yep i mean he's he's a fucking ableist throughout but those were the things that people remember people said that all the time back then like i'm not i'm not making an excuse for that but people just said it like oh you're being gay yeah yeah, that's that's what how my dad sounded. So you know what I mean. Like growing up, like remember when we were talking about extreme Ghostbusters? What do they call him? Ecto two. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you know, that's awful. It's, yeah. it's that same. Yeah, it's just dad talk. You know, angry angry dad from Homer Simpson. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I know. My dad's pretty angry too. So sorry, sorry, Jake. What's wrong? You were talking about dads and it reminded me of something. Did you guys hear the scandal of the guy who got arrested over this movie? No. No. What happened? Okay. Spill your cheese. So hold on. I'm pulling up my notes. A guy named James Meyer Jr. in 2016 was arrested by Concord police because they found an outstanding warrant from 2002 by J&J Video out of Salisbury. Uh, because he did not return, Freddie got fingered. And the business hadn't existed in over 10 years when he was taken into custody and had to appear in court. The district attorney ultimately did not pursue the charges, but Green offered to pay the fine. And even Green said, and I quote, I just saw this and I'm struggling to believe it is real, which just thinking about this movie and you're talking about, like, I struggle to think that like this could be made today. Like, the fact that it exists is so absurd. And then the absurdity went on another 15 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I think that just actually happened to someone else recently. A lady had uh, a copy of uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch on video cassette or something. She just caught the same thing. She got like embezzlement felony charges. It was. Oh, I read about that one. Yeah. Fucking nuts. But yeah, I mean that this. It's shit like that. It still pops up into the social consciousness. It's it's impressive. It's it's a masterpiece for that reason to me. Oh, it works. And 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 just the scenery itself. Like for example, when I go to a restaurant for breakfast and they have the little coffee, um, the creamers, the little you know little creamers. I always do. I think of uh, I think of Freddie Got Fingered. It's it's. I don't know how it works, but uh, that's the genius behind it. It really is. Shall we talk about the genius, the legacy, the Razzies? Do you want to go there? Yes. Nominated for eight Razzie Awards, won five. Pretty damn special. Five. Worst screenplay, worst actor, worst director, who's still the same guy. Worst screen couple, which didn't go to him and Drew Barrymore. It went to him and the animals. (laughs) (laughs) And then worst picture. It lost 
worst supporting actor for Rip Torn, worst supporting actress for Betty, and worst movie of the decade, unfortunately, which I believe went to Battlefield Earth. But <laughs> deservedly so. What's kind of amazing is we say that this movie is such shit. We all remember it. We all know it. We all refer to it. Yup. I've seen so many bad movies. Like legitimately, I was thinking about this. I can remember two things from the movie Tomcats, which came out a month before this, which was the sexy librarian lady with spanking his ass and his testicle being a walnut in a necklace. Out of a 90-minute film, I can remember two things. I watched this movie yesterday, and it was as if I had seen it yesterday, like before I watched it yesterday, if you know what I'm saying. like Same. Like I just finished it, and I started it again with how visceral. I'm like, oh, this is, and here's this part, and here's this part, but it still felt like fresh and original. Oh, yeah. Even the mannerisms you get down exactly like exactly like like, you know what I mean? Like just the same way you say it. I remember the facial expressions, the way it's said, the tone. It's 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 weird how that works. And like I said, this is when I used to watch on tape all the time. And another thing to tie it back to yet another title in the maybe it's horror. Uh, it's like Jawbreaker. It got shit reviews before. And now it's just like. I don't know. It's taken on this cult life of its own. And we remember Jawbreaker more than we remember fucking uh, what was it? Uh, Ryan Phillippe, uh Cruel Intentions. Like it's it's the same thing. You know, it got it got mm. shit on back then. But here we are making a fucking podcast about it and just being so still charmed by this film. And that's where the comparisons end, Adam. Here's <laughs> a couple of, of extra horror things that just came to mind. Because you had mentioned the other film, so it made me think of, obviously, we Doug had mentioned the kids are watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so horror is in this universe. Real life horror. Betty says, and I quote, sometimes people die of cancer. Yeah. Right after Tom Green went through cancer treatment and had his testicle removed, uh, his right testicle. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Because his left testicle is all that is left, his own joke. Because he used to talk about his one ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's real life from the perspective of the guy who's making it. Okay. Now, again, I don't think that goes to the movie's depiction, but the creation and inception of it, I think there's a lot more horror in the inception and creation than there is in the final product. So just an idea. Oh, and they actually show his surgery on on the thing. Yeah, He's Freddy's watching it when the DCF comes to get him. <laughs> I love when they come to his door. <laughs> like, a, Where's little Freddy? You're Freddy? And it's, it's just their reaction. Yeah, I, I'm Freddy. <laughs> yeah, she's like looking. Up, yeah. Oh, man. Just like he's just such a poor character in the film. Like when he comes over for breakfast, he just makes the joke. He's like, save some for the fish. huh? right, Dad? And Riptor's just like, fuck you, Freddy. <laughs> just without saying it. But it's just like, what the fuck? You work at a fucking bank, <laughs> uh, man. But uh, yeah, the dad, like, I, I think another funny line, too, is just like, it's how natural, like, Rip Torn is in this character. Like, when the, when the doctor's in the driveway and they're, they're leaving, he's just like, he's like bitch. <laughs> like, just it's so it's perfect. Just, oh, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I love the soundtrack to this film, too. Uh, just so many classic punk hits throughout this film. It, it's just another reason why I love it. Created a new punk hit. They couldn't get the rights to Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, I gotta be me. So he, Iggy Pop recorded it and Tom Green actually got to talk to him. That's pretty cool. Yep. Not horror, but cool. So red. I mean, you get Iggy Pop, you get the Ramones, you get the uh, New York Dolls, you get Agent Orange, uh, Sex Pistols. I mean, it's such a rad punk fucking soundtrack, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time I ever heard New York Dolls and I got hooked on them after this. So 
And I think that's kind of just what made this film. I mean, this film was so just fucking punk rock for what it was doing. Like I said, it's like MTV gave him $14 million or whatever. Fox and Regency gave him $14 million. It's like he gave him like the punkest fucking shit he could, basically. I mean, there is nothing conventional about this film. And it's a masterpiece. I can go on a diatribe about everything is more punk than the Sex Pistols. But yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. Johnny Rotten's a piece of shit now. Fucking Trump supporting bastard. Well, it was literally a band that was created to sell clothing. I mean, it's more of a boy band than any other boy band. And once you think of this movie, it's like, I dare say it's more punk rock than a lot of punk rock because at least so many quote unquote punk rockers are trying to aspire to some kind of, you know, depiction. You know, I'm going to wear patches on my jeans. I'm going to wear egg yolk mohawks. I'm going to do this because I'm I'm wearing this. This is my, my war paint. I am this. Yeah. You're not punk. You're the punk starter kit. Yeah. There is nothing like this movie. This is not trying to be anything. Exactly. It just, it, it was pure. It did what it was. It it was off the wall. It was like stream of consciousness. You got to imagine. I mean, like, it's the only way he could come up with this fucking absurdity, but it's just, I don't know. It's magic. Well, I think it also kind of goes to, I really love hardcore music and I don't like a lot of hot, like a lot of punk music. And I think one of the reasons of that is the mastery mm. of craft. Like a lot of Ramon songs I don't like because it's the same chords over and over again. Oh, yeah. Same thing. It is. It's, you know, the whole the being proud that I am creating music when I don't know how to play music. And that's a lot of rhetoric in in punk music. Proud, proud. But this movie, this isn't like a Neil Breen film or for something for fuck's sake. You know, exactly. It's like a, a decent movie. Like we were saying, it's beautifully shot. It's got a fucking awesome soundtrack. It's got a solid fucking cast that bring their A game with the acting and shit. It, it's just like, it, it's just completely absurd, but it's just so masterfully done. And yeah, it's punk as fuck, man. It's one of the punkest things I've ever seen. And another crazy thing with that too, it, with it being like the, you know, the set design and just everything looks very polished with it. And you see it's big budget. A lot of times those big budget movies by those big, producers and stuff they they don't understand they don't grasp real life like they'll, they'll they kind of use it as like a generic stance like oh this is what a regular retail job looks like oh this is how a sandwich shop job looks like and it's just someone you know what i mean like they, they don't get real life and i feel like tom green I, I even have in my notes here that i think that this movie has replicates like just the depression and dead endness of working at like a subway or working at a restaurant like that. Like, I just feel like it's mm-hmm. so depressing for me personally, cause I've mm-hmm. done those jobs and uh, yeah, there's just, uh, th- there's just no other movie I can compare on a big budget scale that has that same feel like this. You know what I mean? Cause he, he, Tom green probably worked at those jobs. He shows the mind numbing horror. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Cause uh, if you think about it too, that's another age horror. He says, I'm a 28-year-old man. I'm a 28-year-old man. Well, you're creeping into your 30s and you're still getting jobs at sandwich places, which, you know, I'm not condemning or anything like that. But it's just that same type of thing where the, the suburban boomer mentality where like you need to go out and get a job like your brother and then, you know, get a family and get kids. And that's your whole life. And I'm just like, man, you know, fit our mold, conform. Yeah. This plot line has a lot of what Disney has in it, like those things where it's like, like, like Coco, for example, that's the same type of thing where they're like, I want to be a musician. You can't be a musician. You need to work. I love Coco. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like that has the same. But this just does it so differently. But I, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of similar where it's like, oh, yeah, the character wants to do something artistic. No one believes that they can do it. And then they, and they prove that they can do it. Well, see, it's interesting that you say that, because for me, I feel like Gord was privileged. I feel like his parents gave him everything he needed. He got to live at home until he was 20 fucking eight years old. 
Oh, yeah. And the father, for all intents and purposes, was fine at the beginning of the movie. He bought him a fucking car. He got him, you know, he helped to get him started. And he was allowed to live at home all these years. So, like, why why can't his father be upset and disappointed, though, at the same time? Because he basically quits because he hears one bad thing, right? And how many people, like, you know, musicians and artists and all this, you know, always say that they always sucked at the beginning, you know, and they just kept having to do it until somebody finally, you know, liked it. Right. So he didn't even try. And so it's like, we're going to vilify the father because he turns crazy. I guess maybe he was always crazy. I don't know. But like, I feel like there is a, a shift and maybe Gord is the reason because like he did all of this shit for his son, got, gave him everything he needed. And he's just a little fucking bitch ass, like spoiled brat, in my opinion. Yeah, that could be like the mentality of the whore for like parents and stuff. Because you think about it, it's like, oh, Gord seems like one of those kids, like like the parents would be like, like if he starts throwing a tantrum, like, okay, here, I'll buy you what you want. Just stop crying. Here. Um, five minutes later, the kid wants something else crying. Okay, if we buy this for you, shut up. Here you go. So that could be for, for parents. It's like, fuck, you know, now you're he's 28 years old and he's still acting like a fucking kid. And he can't get him out of the fucking house. And then he's just coming back. And then they let him move back in. Like, they didn't have to let him move back in. They're like, no, go get it. Get your own fucking apartment. Take your escape ramp and move into your friend's house. Bye. Yeah, so that's a good <laughs> angle I didn't put when I first watched it. So I guess I just, I, I would be a mean parent. I <laughs> you could go live in your skate ramp. <laughs> exactly. Get the fuck out of my house. Get a job. <laughs> but also everybody who does have a job, you look at Darren, you look at Freddie, they get victimized. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Terribly. You know, everybody who's doing things ostensibly correctly gets the shaft. Like look at the kid. The kid is not depicted as being a shit. He's seems to be a very affable little boy who's like you know very gracious and and like thankful for the things he has it keeps getting it bad gee daddy i can have a piece of cake on my birthday mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah it's yeah exactly so that i guess that's just a, another like hidden layer where it's like if you follow society's norms you're still gonna you're gonna get fucked over more than the person that wants to do something of you know just just personal growth if if that makes sense like wanting to do animation or drawing or movie making or acting you know what i mean and talking about the animation it was done by chris prynoski who you might recall did stuff for beavis and butthead so i feel like that's a, a pretty great little connection because i think that you, you look at stuff like beavis and butthead and that's very horrifying too you have people attacking each other with chainsaws and sla- and people being just there's a lot of negativity there that i don't think is explored very easily because it's fun and that's that that's the whole joke of it all right but in actuality these are two unattended idiots there's a lot of whack in there too well, that's the only show i ever seen where and i saw that as a kid where they're snorting uh stove gas <laughs> and i remember at the bottom it's like don't snort stove gas but oh my God. yeah it, it goes to that same thing like is is gourd a psychopath or is he a product of what his parents oh. uh spoiled him with i guess so hey there you go yeah that's true that is true so could be either or like was he was he always that way like in the head or was it his adhd or did the dad and mom just spoil him until he's 30? I don't know. That's a very scary thought. Did they create the monster? Yeah, they created him. And then the father like loses his shit and the mom runs away. Like nobody ever deals with him. No, you know. <laughs> like I said, the family is shredded by the end. Freddie's still in the molested children's home. I know, poor Freddie thinks they got fingers. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and that's more cheese made than uh than you get like in the Spanish telenovelas. You know what I mean? Like there's stuff like that all the time. 
<laughs> Granted, I don't know what they're saying when I'm watching it. I'm like, man, this is pretty good finger design. Just put the captions on, Doug. <laughs> yeah, well, the, like I said, this is ba- it goes into telenovela territory. So, have I convinced you guys that this uh, this may be horror? If you ask me, I don't think it's horror, but I do think it does fall into that, like I mentioned before, the Ilsa, the, those exploitation type of cinemas. Coffee, I, I don't know why I bring up coffee all the time, but coffee is another one. Ilsa, um, Emmanuel in America, it's in that category, which is like the Euro sleaze, like just trashy films. But those are always in the horror category. So it, it's a hard one. I don't say it's horror. I think it's <sighs> surreal exploitation, if that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a genius answer. A. Okay, I guess. I don't I don't think it's a horror film. They're horrific things. I just I don't know. You seem pretty convinced before. I had you. I had you for at least a moment there. No, I'm like I'm I'm disgusted by it, but I don't think and then that's and, and also too, that's all of those movies back then, all those guy movies. I don't know why I say this is a guy movie, but I'm thinking of like road trip and all those. Like I feel like they're more intended for men, right? I assume. It's uh, funny, though, because this is the antithesis of those, because he's not trying to get laid. Like, he's almost, well, yeah, so I he, want to be romantic. I want to he's be the not, gentleman. You're right. He's not trying to get laid. Need to run to daddy. But it's still trying to be extreme, like Doug was saying, to the point where how far can we take this? And because we know the kids are going to laugh hysterically, right? So I don't, but I don't, I just don't feel, I'm not scared. I don't, nothing Nothing sticks with me in a way that, like, hmm. I don't know. I mean, maybe all of the the dicks, yeah. But you know, I don't like to see penis in general, so why would I want to see <laughs> an animal dick? It's so gross. Well, uh, that dick's gonna stick with you. <laughs> well, just the horror movie version of this. Like, if you wanted like a horror, it's Greasy Strangler because they basically that's just the horror movie version of this. So exactly. I honestly was thinking the same thing when I was watching it earlier. I was wondering if you were going to make the comparison because, yeah, just the father son dynamic. I mean, Greasy Strangler is definitely much more of a horror movie than this. Yeah, hands down. I mean, just the amount of murder in that alone. I mean, because no one really dies in this film. So, but yeah, I'm glad you made that comparison because I was sticking in my head, too. Jake, how about you, darling? Funny, I, I was thinking about Father's Day. The trauma film that oh. we just did with the Astron Six or whatever those yeah, guys, those fucks. Because I mean, there's a lot of obviously there's the the father thing going on, and then it's just hyper violent, hyper gore. But I, you know, in watching that, I'm like, is that really a horror? And even that was kind of eh. Mm. I think the scariest part of this film, and I just confirmed this because you guys brought up Shaq. Scariest part of this film is the fact that it is not as highly rated as Steel. Oh my god. <sighs> Steel had 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Freddy Got Fingered has only a mere 11%. That scares me. (laughs) But the film itself, I I can't do it, man. Adam, I mean, I know that we just said toys. And people have come out of the woodwork like, toys isn't scary. Okay, is it unsettling? Mm. Is it unsettling? Is it disconcerting? And these things, none of it makes me feel bad, though. Like, toys left me feeling cringy and weird and like like i needed to keep my eyes closed for a couple minutes and reset my brain's perception of the world but this was like as soon as it's over it's like i'm still happy things are still good i'm I'm not being yelled at by a canadian with a goatee things are cool so sorry adam i'm gonna pass and say this is not a horror film but it is undoubtedly a classic yeah you know i i am i'm not even mad at that because you know what we got each other to think about this film in ways we haven't before 
Would you say that? Yes. I mean, never really tried to make this a horror movie before, but going back and watching it again, I just saw some things and just saw it in a whole new light. And I mean, just the whole thing, seeing it as Gord being the hero, like all the times that I'd seen this, but now realizing like as a real person, like he's a real shitbag kind of thing. But I, I as long as we got something new out of this film, I, I'm calling my discussion a success. That's all I can ask for. But yeah, classic in my book, thousand percent. If uh, this was in the dad's point of view, like like he was seeing this all from his end, then I would probably see it, it would be like a, a horror <laughs> version of the problem child or something like that. If it was in the dad's <laughs> point of view. So that, that's weird if you think about it that way. Yeah. The omen. That kept popping into my head, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's basically just Damien. <laughs> you know, for if, for if we got it from the dad, if it was about the dad as the main character. Yeah. It's crazy to think. Yeah. He was Canadian. A more contemporary reference would be the new Invisible Man movie that comes out. The gal's sitting there and the little girl gets hit and she's like, it wasn't, I didn't do that. And she has no proof. It's one person's word versus another person, right? And that's what this movie is. The dad's like, I, I didn't finger fuck my kid. Yeah. Like, oh, you took this out of context. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, oh yeah, I think that's fair. Huh? <laughs> well, I- is there anything else that we'd like to touch on? I think we uh, I think we covered quite a bit of this film. I mean, we could keep just digging into scenes, but I mean, you know, I think we uh, I think we did this one justice. We got to go inside this film. Yes. Get inside. Hey, thank you. Thank you for enduring. Always proud. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk about uh, anything anywhere they can find us? Maybe on a new social platform that you've been working, modeling some of our merch on. Adrian, the time is passing us by. It's tick talking away. TikTok. Yeah. No, so I posted today. If y'all want to follow us on TikTok now, we are actively trying to use it. So at Slashers Pod on TikTok, please follow us. Watch our cute videos. Uh, we have some interesting comments already from some interesting people. So make us famous. Just bury those down. And if you're really uh, desperate, we have an OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, it's just dug in a jar of Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's where where Doug squishes things with his feet. <laughs> oh yeah, that wine bottle did not do good last night. You don't want to know where it ended up. <laughs> oh, so Doug, uh, where can people catch you? Uh, say tomorrow night. Oh my God. Maybe. Eight o'clock. Oh wait, no, not tomorrow. Well, Friday, Fridays. We record this on Wednesdays. Yeah, so yeah, Friday night action, B movie TV on Roku. We got a we got a new one for you this week, and I'll give you a secret. All of us are gonna no, you know, we're not gonna pop up. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get you guys in there. We got fun little cameos, and we got you know little short films, and uh, Jake's on at Saturdays at ten p.m. And if you want to hunt me down and see what I've been doing, I've been pretty busy actually working on a bunch of film sets. Um, I don't know if I could say the name of one of them, but it's been a childhood goal to be in one of these films and i finally got to be in there so if you want to follow that it's doug bizarro at doug bizarro on uh, instagram facebook and eh, facebook's all cranky boomers <laughs> jake darling anything you would like to plug doug did a good job of plugging saturday night terrors every saturday on roku on b movie tv at 10 p.m it's a delightful little show where I watch delightful little movies and do delightful little sketches that embarrass my wife publicly. I also host a show with that aforementioned wife, which is I Got You, Babe, a Groundhog Day podcast, a new episode every day of every week. It's awesome. 
You can find me at Gacy Jones. You can find me at the Ayatollah of Stiggy Moloch, which is a paleontological pursuit of mine. And you can obviously support us on stuff like a red booble. Adam, would you like to go into greater detail about red booble? Yeah, red bubble. We uh we got some stickers up there. We got some t-shirts. We got magnets. We got we we've refined the selection a bit more. We uh we've got more designs coming and uh check us out over there. Check us out. Just go to uh Linktree slash slashers pod. Can find everything we've got going on there. Uh you can find me over at otherboy underscore art on Instagram. Uh haven't been posting a lot due to uh recovery and PT got me all sore and such, but uh hopefully more art coming very soon. Uh also uh if there's anything you want to see merch wise, let us know and uh we'll make it happen. Just hit us up. Uh, check out our Patreon as well. That's a great way to let us know or uh, help yourself to uh, getting us to do an episode you want to hear. Something like that. But uh, check us out on all these platforms. That link tree slash slashers pod will keep you covered. But uh, yeah, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for having some sausage and uh- daddy, daddy, <laughs> daddy, daddy, daddy. Sorry, I had a I had a gourd moment. I just randomly said no, something. That's great. So I guess that'll be a goodbye and a good daddy. Hey goons, it's Cyberslash, your favorite recurring cybernetic doom bot with a heart of a material used as a construct to divide classes and conquer the poor. Speaking of which, I'm here to introduce the classy fellas we like to call our friends in Hellfire. So give your undivided attention to their face melting track, Conquerors. These hunks are currently recording their fourth studio album with plans for an end-of-the-year release, and a supporting tour, lest the apocalypse strikes again. You can find them at HellfireMetal.com, on Facebook at HellfireMetalSF, and HellfireMetal on Instagram. Instagram. <laughs>